Do you happen to be drowning in credit card debt? Well, if you are, trust me, you're not alone. But don't go anywhere because we are going to be talking about how to drop debt. His books circle online, featuring in-depth discussion, insight, news, and commentary on all the world's leading book titles and their authors. And now, Book Circle Online. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of Book Circle Online. This is the show where we delve into all things books for you book lovers. I'm your host, Katerina Kazayas, and I always love being here with you. Today, <laughs> we're going to get into some really uh, interesting topics including how the heck to get yourself out of debt. And if you're telling me that you're not in debt, I'm going to call BS on that. Or at least at some point, you must have had to go through some sort of debt, even if it was just owing your brother or sister $10. Um, But uh, we're going to get into really the bigger debt crisis and credit card debt in specific. I'm joined in studio today by uh, author Harvey Warren. Harvey, welcome to the program. Glad to be here. Perfect. Uh, Harvey, you are a, uh, a financial expert. You're a consumer advocate. And you are the author of Drop Debt. I love the title. Yeah, people find that quite, <laughs> the title's quite funny. Great. Yeah. Uh, surviving credit card hell without bankruptcy. Yeah. There are too many people that think, I've got so much debt, my only way out is to declare bankruptcy. And I want to get to you know some of the options in a minute. Uh, but first of all, what I wanted to do is talk to you a little bit about your background, what brought you, you know, what makes you credible enough to write a book like this, where are you coming from, and most importantly, if you could share a little bit about your own personal story, because that adds a real uh, interesting human element to all of this. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm a screenwriter in Hollywood, yes. and did that for many years, and, I, that. and, right. and a bag of chips, <laughs> and all of that, right. And, uh, you know, like every creative person, you go through that cycle in your life where you just hit the wall. And uh, shortly after my first marriage, uh, my wife and I ended up you know, losing our house in Beverly Hills. And you know, she was a big studio executive. And we decided we wanted to be creative people. Mm-hmm. And hence, you know, colossal debt was amassed. And uh, we ended up in the office of a company called Best Collections here in Los Angeles and with, I think it was $80,000 on an American Express card. And I was like, uh, we'll never be able to pay this. And they go like, well, not necessarily. I mean, you guys have made a lot of money before. You'll make a lot of money again. And I think that's one of the key things that people need to look at is that what happened yesterday or what's happening today doesn't mean what's going to happen tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So they gave us a very, very reasonable payout of like 200 bucks a month on 80 grand. Okay. And you think about the 900 years to pay off. <laughs> but, you know, in, in six months later, we sold a screenplay mm-hmm. and paid them off. So that's... For most people, uh, that's the hope, is that you can get into a, a discussion with a collector right. who's going to help you rather than hurt you. Well, and that's, the, but, but, okay, so in your case, you amassed this debt partially because you believed in yourself, yeah, right? What, what, so, what was so, I thinking, yeah. <laughs> but in your case, it paid off. Now, what happens to someone who has a significant amount of debt but isn't going to sell a screenplay or isn't going to come into an inheritance? Um, you know, they're sitting on thirty, forty, fifty, a hundred thousand dollars worth of yeah. debt. What are their options? Well, I mean, because what I found really interesting, and I'm just going to read straight out of the book here for a moment, folks, because uh, you know this really opened my eyes. Oh. So look at let, 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 listen to this. Okay, maybe you don't have thirty, forty, sixty, eighty, a hundred thousand dollars worth of credit. Maybe you only have three thousand dollars worth of credit, and you're thinking, I can pay that off. Listen to this. If you are paying the minimum two percent. On a 20% APR card, 
you can end up paying up to $16,000, and you'll be 80 years old by the time you pay it off. So if you're 26 years old with $3,000 debt on your card, and you're only paying the minimums, it could take you 80 bloody years. Harvey, this is crazy. That's 60 bucks a month. (laughs) just... Doesn't seem to chip but, away at but, it. But you yeah. know the problem is though that we're told right, and, and I've fallen into this before. Pay your minimum, keep your credit rating, be a good citizen, and that's all you need to do. How? Um, talk to me a little bit about how dangerous paying just the minimum on a card really is. Well, so dangerous the Congress changed the law. Wow. Uh, when the book was written uh, four years ago, it was two yeah. percent. Now it's four percent. The four percent is the minimum payment. Yeah. Okay. Because you know when I and when this book came out, there was a lot of congressional oversight. I spent a lot of time in Washington talking mm-hmm. to a lot of senators, and uh, and the House Financial Services people. And we mm-hmm. said, look, you know, it's a trap. It's really good for the credit card companies. Mm-hmm. It's really bad for people. Mm-hmm. And they, everyone's like, well, this is fantastic. I can you know spend five hundred bucks this month and only pay ten dollars. And people continued to do that month after month. And, you know, they weren't buying plasma TVs and stuff. They are buying groceries, paying for their dry cleaning and gas. And what they weren't realizing was that they were subsidizing their income. That's when credit cards get very, very dangerous. Mm. They were meant for large purchases. You know, you need a refrigerator or you, your tires blow out in your car and you've got a, all of a sudden a $600 bill and you don't really have the kind of emergency fund you ought to have, which is another subject we need to talk about. And all of a sudden, you're going to lean on your credit card. That's what it was intended for. So you can installment pay over time, something that you can't afford right this minute. Right. Not necessarily to go out and pay for your dinner at an extravagant restaurant with money you don't or you don't have. And I think that's the mistake that a lot of people make, right, is credit card money is not a gift. It's a loan. Right. And you're eventually going to have to pay that back. Yeah. Uh, I, I, we did that in a TV commercial. It's a loan you have to pay back. Yeah. Because <laughs> you led the National, Security, or National Consumer Council yeah. for uh, a number of years with, you know, an aim to try and help consumers understand what the heck all of this is about, right? Yeah, it was, it was a, a very controversial effort on the part of a nonprofit to really engage people and say, are you thinking about what's going on with your credit cards? Do you really know what's going on here? And we did the math for people and said, look, here's what's going on. I mean, do the math. I mean, you really haven't stepped it out. And I think bankrate.com has a bunch of calculators right on its own website, and you really ought to go there and take a look at that. Put in your current credit card balance and the amount of money you're paying each month, and it'll tell you to the day how long it'll tell you to pay your credit card off. And when you start breathing again, uh, <laughs> you just get to work. Now, the thing that I find, you know, the thing that's challenging, though, is, first of all, no one really educates people on credit cards, right? Like, and you make mention of this in the book. Yeah. People talk to their kids about drugs. Right. They talk to their kids about sex. Right. They don't talk to their kids about credit cards and credit card debt. And the or realities of what that means, or balancing, or how to how to build a budget for your home. Well, we had a conversation with the Board of Education about this. Okay. <laughs> what did they say? <laughs> no, we need to keep teaching people about 1850 history that is antiquated and isn't going to give them any life skills, because I have my own issues with the education system. But yes, go on. Well, I was pretty close. <laughs> we said, well, yeah, you, know, you need to teach people how you know compound interest works and stuff like that. I mean, these life right. skills. And they said, well... It's not really math because, you know, we're not calculating the volume of space underneath the Golden Gate Bridge, you know. <laughs> okay, okay. It's not really social studies. It's not really home ec. Gosh. We don't have a hole to put it in, so never mind. I wow. go, but you understand something. One of the greatest life challenges facing young people coming out of school, whether mm-hmm. it's high school or, or college, mm-hmm. is how to balance a checkbook, how to know what a good mortgage rate is, how to, you know, plan for their retirement, when to start saving money. How do you buy life insurance? Well, and, you know, yeah. even, even the lingo, right? So explain this to me. You can be pre-approved 
oh, the yeah. pre-qualified. <laughs> What's the difference? Is pre-qualified and pre-approved not the same thing? Hey, I got approved. I'm feeling good. Yeah, one means you're breathing and one means you're qualified for credit. Uh, <laughs> pre-approved means that your name's in the phone book. So they know where you are. Right. So, so you're pre-approved. Whether you have pre-qualified yeah. means that they've actually looked at your credit score. They've looked at your economics and said, okay, we'll extend you five, fifteen, twenty, twenty-five thousand, whatever it is. Everybody's pre-approved, and they did that as a marketing ploy, in you know right after right after they deregulated banking in 1999, so that all the credit card companies went you know hog wild chasing market share, and they figured, well, there's going to be a certain amount of damage. We're going to extend credit to people that shouldn't have it. This happened all over again in the mortgage market in 2008 when everybody had, you know, mortgages on stated income. So in order to create market share and own a piece of the market, banks took the risk that a certain percentage of people were going to go under the treads. Uh, (laughs) A a, a marketing cost for them, a life disaster for the person it happened to. Yep. Wow. So you've been advocating uh, this. When you went through your own, you know, reality of, hey, I've got $80,000, I don't know what to do. did you, upon paying that back, really consciously change your spending habits? No. Because <laughs> that's what I wonder, right? We get into these. No, just like everybody else. Yeah. So, you know, as time wore on, I, again, um, you know, it, it's creative thing. It's a cyclical thing. And <laughs> you know, writer's life is a difficult life. And, yeah, we ended up back in uh, about $180,000 worth of credit card debt before it was done. Yeah. I paid all of that off except for one small hunk at the end when I, when I got divorced. Um, I ended up settling it with Bank of America. Okay. And uh, I told them the circumstances. And there are certain things that the banks take into consideration. If you lose your job, if you get sick, mm-hmm. if you go through a divorce, divorce is financially annihilating to people. Mm-hmm. So the bank knows if you're getting divorced, what's happening. You've got half the money, twice the expense, and then there's the lawyers. They know <laughs> that they're the last one that's going to get paid. Right. So when you say, well, I'm going through a divorce, they go, okay, well, can we work this out? And that's yeah. when that's when the book comes into play. And I was going to say, so that that sort of shocked me because I didn't realize that you can actually work things out with creditors. I just assumed you either paid or you didn't pay, and you declare bankruptcy if you can't pay. I didn't know there was a middle ground. So talk to me a little bit more about how can I approach a creditor or my bank or my visa and say, hey, I don't have this money. What can we do? Are they open to listening to you? First of all, yes. Okay. But you got to ask nicely. <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, it's it's wow. it's really true. I'll, I'll yeah. tell you anecdotally. There was a gal that I helped that had like sixty thousand dollars worth of credit card trouble, and we were when she couldn't pay the card, she called me up and she's a close friend. She said, "What am I supposed to do, Harvey? What do I do?" Yeah. I said, "Well, call them up and tell them what the problem is. Your business is failing, and you can't pay the bill." Okay. <laughs> I said, "Tell them that you're going to stay in touch. Mm-hmm. That they're not going to have to chase you, and you're going to change your phone number." or say nasty things to them when they call on the phone, just, you know, work through with them and stay in touch. Six months went by, and it went to what they call charge-off. So every, every 30 days, the bank makes a reassessment mm-hmm. of what you owe and what they're going to do with you in terms of settling the debt. As the debt gets older and older, it becomes less valuable to them. How? Why? Well, it's, it's really a banking regulation. The Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation watches the health of the loan portfolio of the bank. Mm. And so they're the ones that insure it. So they want to know that the loans that they have out right. are going to get paid back. So when it gets to 180 days, FDIC says charge it off. That's now a bad debt, and yeah. it goes into mm-hmm. you know recovery. So during that first 180 days, though, you can talk to the credit card company about other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can talk about consumer credit counseling. 
Okay, which, which is, is what? The nonprofit organizations that help people consolidate the debt. You can talk directly to the creditor and say, hey, listen, this 23% interest rate I'm paying ain't going to happen. I can't pay that. Can you take me back to five so that huh? I'm... Yeah. Why would they not laugh at you? I mean, I just laughed out loud, and I'm not even the bank. Or the, you know, the well, credit you could card be. company. Sure. Yeah, I mean, no, they, they don't I, laugh. I'd be a loan shark. Well, they don't <laughs> laugh because they know one of two things. Either they're going to help you a little bit okay. or you're going to not pay them ever. Mm-hmm. So they're sitting there calculating, well, you know, if we help Katarina, what do you think? Maybe she'll pay us in the end. Let's give her some rope and see how it works out. So if you get into a, um, they may close your card and give you like a 5% interest rate, it gives you a chance to start paying it down. Had a client that did that, and, you know, they shut down her American Express card for seven months, and she was installment paying them, and finally had enough to pay the card off. They reinstated her card, and she went back to her life. They will help you, but you really have to call them up and say, okay, here are the circumstances. I've been your good customer. I've always been on time, but now here's the problem. Got downsized, lost my job. Husband lost his job. I got sick. I've been out for six months. Whatever the deal is. And those are life realities, and the credit card company understands that. And say, look, I've burned through my savings, and now I need to slow this down and the payback to you guys. Can you help me? So before it becomes like a credit-destroying issue, Mm -hmm. you can negotiate with the bank and ask them to alter your credit, alter your interest rate. Okay. That does work. Wow. You seem astonished by that. (laughs) I I am astonished by it. And not only that, but I read the book. I mean, it's just... It's something, again, that goes back to education. People don't even know that that's an option. Yeah, imagine asking for help. What a, what a concept. Asking for help, being honest about your circumstances, yeah. right? What a concept. Now, talk to me a little bit about um, the shame that comes with carrying oh, debt, my. though, right? If you're at a place where, you know, you're looking at your life and you're wondering, how have I dug this hole? <laughs> yeah. Not only are you dealing with the financial reality of that, but a lot of times you're dealing with the mental anguish of the, the guilt and feeling like a loser and yeah. wondering how I'm going to... How does that play into uh, your mindset? Well, yeah, it plays very heavily into it. You know, it, it must. I mean, that's the most serious part of it yeah. is the people... We had a guy... Uh, we had a dinner for a bunch of clients that we helped, and there was a guy named Lucky. Okay. And, not so lucky. And, and this, this guy is real lucky. He okay. called me on the phone. I have to you know, be talking to him because they... From the call center, they passed this guy to me because... He told him he was on the phone, and he had a thirty-eight loaded on his desk. Okay. So what and were you doing at the time, just to paint this picture? You were at what office? I was at the National Consumer Council. Okay. And they passed this guy to me, and they said, you know, he said he's going to kill himself. I said, oh, okay. And we had had a conversation with the Suicide Prevention Hotline because it's... Good Lord. That's how shame, wow. you know, drives people to the point of suicide. I mean, sure. they feel really bad about themselves. Yeah. So I said to him, hey, listen, they're lucky. A a permanent solution to a temporary problem is never a good idea. Mm -hmm. And he put the gun down. And we worked a plan out for him, and he paid the credit card companies off. And um, came to dinner. His wife came and gave me a hug and said he saved his life. So when when you talk about shame, uh, people do kill themselves. There There are debt collectors, and this is why people are so afraid of this whole credit card conversation, who relish the idea that they hounded someone so hard they actually killed God. themselves. I mean, they take delight in that. Wow. And that's the, that's the exception to the rule. Most of the credit card companies and the collection agencies that work with them want to find a resolution that results in a good outcome. They don't want people killing themselves. Well, and, and I think, you know, as you mentioned in the book, most people as well are not trying to avoid the credit card company. They're just in a position where they can't pay. So, you know, they'd like to pay, so they'd like to come to a compromise. They're not taking all this money and trying to, you know, skip town. 
Well, I'll tell right. you a secret Most if you people. don't tell anybody. Okay, I won't tell don't, anyone. Don't tell anybody. Okay? <laughs> so here's what we're going to do. Um, this gal had a $60,000 debt, and um, she was in contact with them for the six months as it aged off, and finally it's in charge off. And they were telling her, you know, we can give you 70%. We can give you 60%. We can give you 50%. That's the maximum discount we can give you. So give her 50% of what she owes to yeah. pay back. Yeah, we, okay. can, we can cut so it. So they by could f- cut it in half almost month. Yeah, it started at 30% discount, yeah. then went to 40 sure. then went to, you know, okay. 50 Yeah, yeah. And I said, no, nah, actually, you know, she can do about 20%. And they're like, 20%? We have rules. We can't do that. I said, no, I know. I know you've got a policy, but I'm really not interested in that. I'm telling you what the gal has in her wallet. That dictates the outcome. So That's either what she take it or don't, right? Well, yeah, that kind of thing will get you to know. Mm-hmm. Well, here's what got us to yes. I said, I want you to call the guys in New York to make the decision on this because I know you're not the decision maker. And I want them to review her credit record, and I want them to see that she's been in touch. Okay. And she asked you, pretty please, could you give her this break? She'll be happy to write you a check tomorrow morning for 18000 on the on, I think it was, yeah, 60, 60 grand. Right, yeah. Would you, be, would you be willing to take that? Wow. And they went, pretty please. You want us to put that in the memo? <laughs> and I said, exactly what I want you to put in there. And we said, pretty please. Next day, she got the deal. Wow. And so that, the, the moral of that story is that it's, it's much more effective than shouting a profanity at the guy that keeps calling you on the mm-hmm. phone. And it's, it's okay to say to the guy, listen, you can call me every day. It, nothing's going to change. Why don't I call you when I've got something to tell you? I promise that I'll call you three weeks from Thursday at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. They'll put that in their notes in their software. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when you make that call, you go on a list of a whole bunch of different people. That's, these are the responsible folks that are going to pay their bill. That are actually You're not trying a skip, to work with a us. flake, right. a bad guy or whatever. Right, You're right, not right, trying right. to beat the credit card company. Mm-hmm. That's how you get them to work with you. When someone says, um, we're going to re-age your, uh, your credit, uh, what does that mean? Well, that's part of the Consumer it. Credit Counseling. And, well, yeah, Consumer Credit Counseling is a nonprofit organization. Mm-hmm. And if you've got the capacity to pay it all back, you just need the interest rate flattened out. You're going to do a five-year workout. Okay. They're going to take one check from you, and they're going to pay all your creditors. The creditors pay them to do that for them. They will re-age your accounts, which means if you're 30, 40, 60, 120 days late, they'll bring your accounts back current, mm-hmm. which remarkably improves your credit score. Okay. And then they'll work with you on the pay down. It's very costly. For and the client? For the client. Okay. It's very costly for the debtor, for the, mm-hmm. for the consumer, mm-hmm. but it's very good for your credit rating. Mm-hmm. For a 30-year-old or a 35-year-old, it's the beginning of their credit life that's made a mistake or lost a job or went between jobs, maybe not a bad idea because they need to preserve their credit rating. For a 65-year-old who's you know, looking at $153,000 worth of debt, uh, I often say the most more important your credit rating or your retirement. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, we have a very different conversation with those mm-hmm. folks, and we have a very different conversation with the creditors because it's more important for that person at that point in their life to preserve capital mm-hmm. because they're in retirement than it is for a 35-year-old who's going to need to, you know, buy a lease, home, home, rent, rent, yeah, rent, rent a car, house, yeah. buy a house, you know, all that stuff. I mean, without your credit rating, you're sunk. So credit rating, FICO score, what is it? Like what, you know, know what I'm I saying? Know, I don't really Expl- know. <laughs> Was I supposed explain, to know explain, that? Explain yeah. the importance of 
you know, we're all, what's your FICO score? What's your credit score? What's your, what, well, what, it, what does that really mean? Well, there are, there is a difference between your FICO score and your credit report. Okay. What is that? Difference? Well, first of all, let's tell everybody how to get their free credit report. Okay. We, everyone likes free stuff. Yeah. This is and real important. And is it important for them to get? Yeah. That was Let me my next see. Question. Is it important for you to check your credit <laughs> report? Yeah. Okay. It's like flossing. It's something you really ought to do. All right. So it's Where can they go? www.annual, mm-hmm. A-N-N-U-A-L, creditreport.com. It's free. You can get one credit report from each of the three bureaus once a year. And it's important for you to check to make sure their information is correct. So those, those bureaus report to a company called Fair Isaac's company. Okay. And Fair Isaac takes um, all of that information and puts it into an algorithm, which is a complex mathematical formula mm-hmm. based on how old you are and how long you've had credit, how many cards you have, how much of your credit you've used, if your cards are maxed out, if you pay on time. And that spits out a numerical uh, scoring that tells a bank whether you should be borrowing money for them or not, whether they should allow you to get that mortgage or not. And that's how FICO works. That's your FICO score. That's your FICO score. But it starts with your bureau report. Okay. So you have to go back to the source, back to your credit report. So if there's things on your credit report that aren't correct, like somebody else's name is just like yours and... You know, they dumped a bunch of credit cards and didn't pay and their the, bill. the system got yeah. confused. You, you Does that happen? All the time. You're joking. All the time. 80% of credit card reports have errors in them. Wow. Unless your name is Kazias, which is, you know, it, oh, pretty, yeah. pretty difficult to, to yeah. mix up. <laughs> if your name is James Smith, I'd be a little concerned. I'd yep. be checking that every year. Yeah, John does have a lot right. of problems. Right, absolutely. <laughs> wow. That's interesting. So you have credit card debt. You, the, let's say worst case scenario. The credit card companies aren't going to work with you. No one wants to consult for you. No one wants to help you. Your only choice is bankruptcy. Yeah. What does declaring bankruptcy really mean? How serious well, is it, that? Well, the good news about that is that some people really ought to declare bankruptcy. And I did a show, actually, on the Home and Family Show. Okay. Yeah, where talking about bankruptcy? Two clients. Yeah, I brought on two clients, one that went bankrupt and one okay. that didn't. Okay. And they want to know what was the difference, why that one to settle, why this one for bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. Now, we have a younger audience at times, so let's go back to the basics. What is bankruptcy, first of all? Well, I bankruptcy, go declare bankruptcy. What, what does that do? What does that mean? Well, it's kind of weird. It comes from the Bible. Okay. It's got its roots in, in the Old Testament, where every seven years, mm. uh, people were allowed to be released from their debts. So the federal government, following the you know, Old, Old Testament, yeah, said, right, yeah, yeah, it said, you know, listen, uh, debt is slavery. And as you know, the great Baptist minister said, you cannot serve the master and master card. Now, is that why they call it Chapter 7? Uh, For seven years, maybe? Uh, I'm just, I'm just maybe. getting creative. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. I mean, it, usually those things just work out. It's just like 401K just turned out that it was Regulation 401K. It's just, yeah. So this, so bankruptcy, uh, every seven years you can you can discharge all your debts. Obviously, it's you have to go through federal judge. You've got to go to court. And you have to prove up to them that you need a fresh start. Mm-hmm. So Supreme in Court... In essence, they just wipe out all your debt and you start at zero? Yeah. So the Supreme Court said that there are circumstances where the honest but unfortunate debtor hits a place where they no longer can do their thing. And in the case of the example we used on TV was a young lady in her 40s, she got divorced, had two kids, lost her job, and the husband wasn't giving her support. What was she supposed to do? She was going to go bankrupt. You know, he left her with all the debt and... She had to go and bankrupt. Responsibility, right? And you know, yeah. and so then she restarts her life. She gets what they call a fresh start. Right. Uh, but that's got to affect her FICO score <laughs> uh, massively, and okay. for and for ten years. Wow! And, and there's a chapter thirteen 
which is the workout, which is kind of like debt settlement, but with the court ordering the exact amount for you. That takes a workout of however many years the court declares, and then your credit will take seven years to recover from that. That'll lay, lay on your credit report for seven years. Versus 10 with a Chapter yeah. 7 filing. Then if you, make a, if you have a lot of debt, like over 250000 you can do a Chapter 11, which is what businesses do, mm-hmm. and that'll stick out your credit report for 10 years, too. So, you know, it's a long-term owie. So, this, so, so I declare bankruptcy. I have this, you know, this, this bankruptcy on my record for 10 years. Yeah. In that time, then, that really binds me. You know, how do I get a mortgage? How do I get a loan for anything? I guess you just don't. Well, how do you continue in society without the ability to tap back into credit? I, it's sort of a, you know, a, a never-ending cycle, I guess. Well, there is a way. And, and what happens is, is that you get a chance to explain to the bank what happened. And like I said, there, if you're suffering from poor money management skills, which is actually a category <laughs> that they, they look at, because some people just don't know how to handle their credit cards, which goes back to your education question. Mm-hmm. But if there's a life event that happened, mm-hmm. death, divorce, job loss, downsizing, you know, crazy stuff, you know, you get your business shut down, then the bank looks at that and says, okay, what's your credit history currently? Because what do they know? You can only go bankrupt every seven years. So loaning you money shortly after bankruptcy is, for them, a fairly safe bet because they know you can't discharge it. You're going to have to pay that back one way or another. Mm-hmm. So it's not, as, it's not as terrible as it sounds, but it sure ain't good. Let me just tell you. A uh, piece of advice for kids just getting their hands on a credit card. So you're 20 years old. You're on a college campus. you got all the booths with you know the different banks, yeah. different credit card companies, and they're saying, hey, We've got a free gift for you. In your book, you kind of you mentioned, you know, hey, come over here. We'll give you some free M&Ms. Sign up for a yeah. zero APR card for six months. And then, oh, boom, surprise, you know, yeah. small fine print, 23%. Yeah, that bag of M&Ms cost that gal 23000 bucks. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it, and it was terrible because what she did, she was a, uh, I think she's an art student, if I remember correctly. And um, she was using her credit cards. Mom was having trouble. She was sick. And she needed the money to, you know, subsidize her college education and pay for dorm and books and food and this and that. And when she got out, she had twenty three thousand bucks, and you know, she was getting, you know, our student, so right. she had like, you know, ten bucks an hour, you know, yeah. or, or maybe she was going to be an actress. Okay, no, that's even worse. <laughs> and so, yeah, she had to deal with them, and it was a twenty three. Th- when it was done, she, I think she borrowed. The card limit was like four thousand dollars, and by the time it was done. The payback was twenty three grand. Oh my gosh! You see, so they go, oh, it's only four thousand dollars, you know, and that's no big deal. Then when I get out of school, I'm gonna get this big, high paying job. I'll pay that off in a week. Yeah, could be, depending upon what your major is. But it's like student loans; you have to look at, you know, what you're studying. I mean, if you're studying ant migration in Tanzania, uh, yeah, maybe not gonna have that big salary. It's gonna take you a little bit longer. You think? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I loved about your book is the fact that um, for anyone that, that is interested. It's a really interesting book, Drop Debt, because uh, it gives you the schematics behind what it means to be in debt, you know, some calculations for you to do and some options, but you also have it coupled with real-life stories. And so it makes it an enjoyable read, and it makes you feel like you're not alone, you know? Yeah, I think that's what happens with any kind of recovery book or Mm -hmm. any kind of thing where people, especially when there's a shame or, or some kind of personal emotional challenge in it, people want to know, like, Am I the only idiot that's doing this? I mean, really? I mean, what the heck? What's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. 
And what you find out is that, you know, there's a lot of other idiots just like you. Well, I was going to say, the numbers are staggering. And, you know, again, you, you wrote this book a few years ago, but at the time, yeah. I think you quote in the book, there were 7 million people over the course of 10 years that filed for bankruptcy. Yeah, that was... That's a res- 7 million people, yeah, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. And, and then after the book came out, came the, you know, the whole mortgage meltdown and like 10 million foreclosures. I mean, what were they thinking? Yeah. I mean, how does that really happen? And so the question becomes... Is it a responsibility of the borrower or the lender? In the case of the mortgage meltdown, it was the lenders because they were giving people money that they just couldn't control, and it was insane. So really the duty we have is, as a society is to educate the borrower and say, listen, you need to know when you're getting something you ought not have. This is not something you need to do. This is way out of your league. Put on the brakes, slow down, Buster. Just because you can do it doesn't mean you ought to do it. If, uh, if someone is wondering what some of the signs are that they're getting a little bit too far down the, yeah. the road, uh, some warning signs for people to, to, to yeah, be aware what is, of. What does credit card sickness look like? Right, yeah. yeah. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously maxed out cards, that's the big one. <laughs> that's, an, that's an indicator. Yeah, okay. you yeah. know, that's a big one. Okay. Uh, maxed out cards. Mm-hmm. If you're balancing, if you're doing balance transfers from one card to another, mm-hmm. that's a really good thing to do to get a 0% balance. But you got to cut up the card you transferred from and only pay down and not use the card you transferred to. Because what you're getting there is you're getting a principal pay down opportunity. With no interest, it's not getting bigger. When you're paying it each month, it's getting smaller. What happens when people are paying minimums? If you're paying 17% interest and you're paying a 4% minimum, the card's growing at like, I don't know, 20% a month. So then you're getting nowhere. It's just getting bigger and you're putting money down the drain. Uh, a friend of mine has a student loan. She's paid over seven years, the minimums. The student loan was for $30,000. She showed it to me last week. She owes $31,000. Oh. And she's already paid 30000 in. Oh, Wait. my God. And she's been paying for seven years. Yeah. So she's already paid. She owes more today on the minimums, and it was a 7% interest rate. She owes more today on the minimums. On the total loan, she owes more than she actually borrowed, and she's already paid the loan off. Wow. So I'm going to have a conversation with them. Yes. Yes. Yeah, oh that's not going to – no, that's not going to work. <laughs> they're going to be – well, they're going to be unhappy to hear from me, but – Well, but you know what? The thing is we need people like you who are educated and savvy in, you know, what we can do to mitigate this, yeah. right? And and she isn't on her own, as a lot of our viewers aren't on their own. Well, it's like we talked about right? before we came on here. She's yeah. just being a good doobie. Right, yeah. You think you're being a you know, good Doing citizen, what she's yeah. supposed to do. She's mm-hmm. paying the minimums. I mean, that's what the bank told me to pay. Right. Uh, that's really good for the bank because, you know, they've got a secure debt with you, and you're going to pay it until kingdom come. And they're, you know, they're at seven, their money. And, yeah. you know, and the rule of 72, you know, is whatever number you divide 72 and an interest rate is how often the money will double. So in seven years, the money doubles. If at a 7% interest rate, the money doubles every 10 years. Oh. So when they're charging you 7%, that $30,000 loan is a $60,000 loan. Works for them. What if they're charging you 21%? Uh, it doubles in three years. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Louise. Jeez, Louise. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You betcha. So people really don't understand how that math works. Mm-hmm. And they don't talk to a financial consultant. They don't call a counselor. They don't buy a book. I'm not trying to sell a book here, but, you know, these resources are online. I mean, you can go, you know, I, I, I'm online as the drop debt coach. I mean, on YouTube. I mean, you can Google that. I've got like 40 videos. It'll tell you exactly how to talk to a creditor. Yeah, Tone absolutely. of voice, the exact thing to say, and all that kind of stuff. 
But people never take the time mm-hmm. to do the homework. And they say, oh, yeah, I guess I just have to keep paying this until I can't, till I'm broke and all my savings are gone. And I borrowed money from mom and dad, which is what a collector will tell you to do. Hey, call up your friends. Call mom and dad. Call your cousin. Get the money. Pay us. And there's a whole lot of rules under the FDCPA about what collectors can say to you and what they cannot say to you. Mm -hmm. And if they've said really bad things to you, let me just say this. If a bill collector has spoken to you and has scared you, they've probably broken the law. Interesting. Okay. So you can't go around threatening people or be threatened. No. Um, Although, again, most people don't understand that that is against the regulations. Yeah. And there's big fines for that. And they'll end up discharging your debt and paying you money. So you sort of want to hope that somebody calls you with a negative attitude. (laughs) Kind of. Kind of, sort of. Nah, you don't want to do that. It's really bad. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of rules and regulations out there. All this stuff is in the book. And there's tremendous resources online all over the place for people. If you're really struggling with credit card trouble, mm-hmm. the thing to do is to go online and, and, and look for, especially on YouTube, there's a lot of chat on that about, you know, how people get out of credit card trouble, including stuff from me. Right. If people want to find stuff from you, where can they go? Uh, HarveyWarren.com. HarveyWarren.com. I would urge everyone to go to HarveyWarren.com, uh, not only to buy the book, but I would urge you to get this book and have it as a resource because uh, you never know when you're going to need to get freed from yeah. debt. Uh, but also, uh, like you said, we are not educating our children. That doesn't mean yeah. that we can't later educate ourselves. Right. And I think a lot of it comes down to the responsibility that we have to our own self. My, my last question is going to be around lifestyle. So I've been living over my means for 15, 20 years. I cut and, it out. And, you know, and I get, no, <laughs> not me. Well, a little bit me, too. But... Um, <laughs> And I, you know, I go through this headache and I clear it all up and everything's great. How difficult is it for me to change my actual lifestyle? Like, this has been my, my, my purchasing pattern for 20 years. Am I suddenly going to turn around and become responsible or start, stop paying more than what I make? I mean, it, that, that's got to be a real mental shift that has to take place. It de- it de- Have you seen a lot of people get back into debt after they've gone through something like this? Uh, yes. And it depends upon how um, painful it the was first the first time around. Yeah, <laughs> kind of like divorce, right? How how much did it screw me up, and how yeah. willing am I to get back into? Yeah, a I don't really want to do that again. <laughs> I said, but in this particular case, um, there's ways to avoid it. Just don't get the credit cards. Right. Yeah. It's like you can't say, well, you know, I've got an eating disorder. We'll stop eating. No, that's not going to work. Yeah. I mean, but in this particular case, get an American Express card. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not a spokesperson for American <laughs> Express, but, but at least you know it's yeah. a travel and entertainment card. It's, you have to pay it every month, right. so you don't get that hangover of you know a gazillion dollars. You can, sure, and uh, you just not pay it back. Yeah, right? one other it happens, but mm-hmm. the simple fact of the matter is, with a credit card, it's that insidious mm-hmm. month after month of buildup of well, I use 500 and I'm going to pay him back 50. I use another 250 and pay him back 10, mm-hmm. and before you're done, there's another five, six, seven, ten thousand. And then it becomes something you're choking on, and it takes you years to fix it. Last piece of advice um, so that kids that are, you know, millennials now starting their, their life won't have to fix things. Uh, piece of advice for them? Um, go online to, you know, bank rate and search all these cards out there. Some of them that are really good rewards programs, and those are great things. Sure, I mean, yeah. but you've got to be really cognizant of the interest rates, and you've got to be very careful about how you use the cards. It's very important. I know we were talking with you know the folks here, a couple of young people here don't have credit cards, they use debit cards. It's amazing. But it's really important for you to have one to start to build your credit life. I mean, if you want to build your credit file at all, at some point you're going to want a mortgage. At some point you're going to want to lease a car. 
Uh, you want to be in the financial market, you're going to need to have a credit rating. Credit and you history. Don't get that without a credit card. Hmm. There you oh, have it. Goodness, there we have it. Drop debt. Uh, drop debt. <laughs> <laughs> Harvey, thank you so much for being here with My us. My pleasure. It was, uh, it was great to have you. This was great information. And again, this is what we love um, you know, about offering Book Circle Online to all of you at home is we have such a wealth of information and authors and, and experts that come through here. And uh, just, you know, if, if you don't have time to read, at least you can hang out with us. Yeah. And, uh, and get, you know, a good chunk of information that is going to be helpful to everyone. Uh, thank you for being here. For those of you uh, watching, thank you for watching. It's always a pleasure to have you with us. Uh, don't forget that you can catch up with me anytime across all of my social media platforms at Katerina Kazayas. I would love to gab with you outside of Book Circle Online anytime. Uh, and also, don't forget that you can watch us on YouTube, on our website, bookcircleonline.com, and uh, uh, via iTunes podcast. We are everywhere, Harvey. We are. We are everywhere. Uh, so for now, that was our show, everyone. Thanks for being with us, and uh, tune in next time for more. <laughs> Thanks. From managing editor Jason Squamata, executive producers Maria Menunos, Phil Svitek, and Kevin Undergaro, we would like to thank you for tuning in to Book Circle Online. For more discussion, go to bookcircleonline.com. And if you have comments, questions, or book title suggestions, write us at info at bookcircleonline.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this is Book Circle Online. BCO, join the circle.